When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 354 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and joining me is another man whose brain didn't somehow seep out of their ears during Barca Hadafe, just barely. It's Emil Evanesian. How's it going, Emil? I'm well, Dan. How are you? You know, I'm okay, but I feel like we usually, you and I usually push that hour mark, but people might have noticed that it's a little bit shorter than that today. And I do usually start mm. with the match, but Barca Hadafe. I don't think deserve that. So instead, we're yeah. doing another Robert Lewandowski thing to start yep. the show today. So here's what we do know about the Robert Lewandowski. And we've been warned that, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but just like the Dembele, just like the Coutinho, just like every major signing for Barcelona, it's a quote-unquote saga. So we've already been warned that this is going to be a week-long to month-long saga. And here's what we do know at the moment. The club have either already or will soon be, and all indications are that they soon will be, having a meeting with Bayern about the price, the asking price for, for Robert Lewandowski. They say, that being Bayern, that he's under contract for another year, but they also seem to emotionally support him in his endeavor to go elsewhere after his quote about trying something new was leaked, which I think clearly by Lewandowski's camp was that quote leaked. And his emotional goodbye to the Bayern fans as well does raise some eyebrows. And both of these do indicate that his camp does have some faith that they can find a way out for him. Because if there was an overwhelming chance that Bayern were going to hold on to him and to to finish out his contract mm-hmm. and then are willing to lose him for nothing, then why would he feel like he's getting to leave? Like, why would it be so emotional? You know, if, if there wasn't some kind of juncture coming, that's just my conspiracy oh. theory. And we, we have seen, though, I will add the caveat. We have seen some confusion tears from Messi already. And just because Barca are a train wreck of a club doesn't mean other clubs can't also mishandle situations either and be a bit of an emotional train wreck for players. Oh, I, I totally agree. But I mean, I think, apologies, I'm struggling to come up with kind of specific examples, but I think, I feel like that kind of thing doesn't happen at Bayern. Like, right, exactly. If a player, yeah, I mean, for better or worse, if there's a falling out at the club or, you know, not even a falling out, but just whatever, a, a conscious conscious decoupling or, or however you want to say it, you know, it's, I feel like they they get that sorted out and it's, the club knows the player is leaving. And so it doesn't turn into this, you know, like you said, a saga, like a long acrimonious, he said, he said, and all of this conjecture and everything. So I feel like the fact that it has publicly gotten to this point and yeah, and Lewandowski has sort of said, and you know, his camp has said what they've said and Bayern hasn't come out to 
emphatically refute it or you know i mean they've said the player is under contract for another year but if anything i feel like that's just a reminder to anyone who wants to get him that it's going to cost you a little something but i don't feel like that's Bayern sort of throwing down the gauntlet and saying that we're going to battle to the death to keep this guy right yeah and i think the other confusion i have here is a lot of what big question reporters are it's a big question that reporters even are debating like different sources are mm-hmm. saying different things and that again, what is what is the price? Like right. what is Bayern willing to part with for Lewandowski? So you know, this is where the confusion lies about if this signing for Barcelona from Barcelona's perspective is even possible. Because there is two parts of it. Can Barca afford the 25 to 40 million euros? And those are just the reported numbers. I've also seen 60, but again, that I think that came from France, from L'Equipe. Mm. So you, uh, everything that is coming from Catalonia and Spain seems to say 25 to 40. Mm. Uh, and that is the transfer fee. That Barca, I mean, that Bayern are asking for, and Bar- Barca would also. And that, I mean, yeah. that honestly, that seems like kind of the number if you had to put one on it, because just between the age and the fact that he only has a year left on his contract, but for a player of that astounding quality, I mean, I think that that tracks. Well, yeah, and then the calculation for Barca in regards to that transfer fee is: can they afford wages? That signing? Well, we're going to get there, but can they afford that transfer fee signing uh, while also staying within financial fair play? Right. Because remember, financial fair play, and I, I do laugh at this a little bit, obviously, because it's it's not real for some clubs and it's real for other clubs and debatable. But can Barcelona make all their transfer signings and still fit within that parameters? Because that is based on total revenue. And to my understanding, that is based on whether and the timeline for the CBC deal, as well mm-hmm. as for the sale of Barca Studios, which, again, we don't know, A, what the deal for CBC is, what the final mm-hmm. number will be. We also don't know what the timeline for selling Barca Studios is or the number for which it will be sold. Yeah, what uh, it's going to fetch. Yeah. Right. So Barcelona really doesn't properly know their revenue, which means they don't completely have a full understanding about what their number would be for financial fair play mm-hmm. again. And that affects just the transfer fee. And now you mentioned the other part of it, and that is, can they get his signing, uh, the wages of his signing low enough to fit him within the salary limit that we've already discussed on previous shows that will affect every transfer coming this summer, which again is why one of those big questions is, why did Barca go so hard for Kessier instead of Kamara mm-hmm. when yeah. it seemed like Kessier was the worst fit and Kamara was a better fit? Well, indications are that Kessier's number was way, way, way lower mm-hmm. on wages than Kamara's and Kamara has started. And the reason why you're not hearing Kamara uh, connect to a lot of clubs is because his agent seems to be asking a pretty high number to start. Mm. And so the reason you're only hearing him linked to, I think Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, because they're clubs that are saying, Hey, I mean, this might be our guy. This might be the one, well, not Chelsea, Chelsea's looking at everybody, but Atletico Madrid might be saying, this is a, our one big, this could be their flagship. Yeah. The flagship transfer for this. And it's a free transfer window. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, or yeah. the you know the, the new arrival, yeah, like that's the new that's this year's splurge. Yeah, so those are the two factors and the numbers. And so before Emil, you get to the merits of the deal because I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit of discussion, but I think you and I are on the same page about that. As far as the money aspect of it, there comes a part where it's not even is he worth it because I think you and I both agree that the answer is yes. I think most fans agree that the answer is yes, but it's can Barcelona even do this? You know, because it's, it's to a point where, yes, Christensen, yes, Kessier, but if they are able to get the signature of Robert Lewandowski, he is the marquee signing, just to yes. warn everybody, right? He would be the name. There would no, there would be no other name coming. Like, he would be the guy. And yeah. I know you can mention Rafinha, but Rafinha signing is, it seems like, completely reliant on Burnley on Thursday against, I'm trying to remember who it is, oh, Aston Villa, and then yeah. Burnley on the weekend against Newcastle while Leeds play Brentford. So those three results, I think that that is what hangs in the balance because there's yes. one point separating them. And so Burnley need to make up that one point in those two matches, but they yep. also obviously... Have yeah, because I think they have a way, way better goal difference. So they have to make up that one point. I think Leeds' goal difference is something like 30 worse than... It's, it's right. something right, hilariously right. bad. Yeah, so yeah. as long as Burnley end up level on points... <laughs> Then, right. then Le- Le- Leeds need to raise some cash, basically. But then Leeds also can't beat Brentford in that way. Because that, right. that, that would need to be four points for, yes. uh, for Burnley. So, right. So that result is like all about the Rafinha deal. It would be, quote unquote, the other you know big signing that Barca spent more mm-hmm. than $20 million on. But yeah, it seems like it's all coming down to the saga for Barcelona is for a 33, soon to be 34-year-old in August striker. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the numbers that, that truly matter here. 
Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I think the, so like you said, we'll, we'll talk about the merits of, of the deal, sort of the on-pitch stuff in a second. But look, when it comes to can Barca do it, I mean, I'm increasingly kind of encouraged by the fact that in this relatively short period of time, Barca have succeeded in getting back to a place where A, they have been able to get in transfers or at least, you know, a transfer like for money. And it wasn't just, just freebies. And so, but I don't fully understand. I understand there are machinations that are going to have to happen. You know, guys are going to have to leave. Wages are going to have to be shifted off of the books. And, you know, the, the Coutinho deal happened and Griezmann's going to be signed by, by Atleti. And, you know, I, I understand all of those things kind of factor in longer term. I don't know what the, what the maneuverings are behind kind of behind the curtain that dictate whether or not Barca can or cannot do this, because I don't know how low Lewandowski's wages get before he feels like he's not being taken advantage of, but Barca can make it work. Because one thing it's cool. Yeah. Like my, my lifelong dream has been to play for Barca, but like, you know, he's not going to do the Danny Alves. So, you know, you have to, you have to assume he's, he's going to get a, a healthy wage. So, I mean, look, the fact that this thing has gone as far down the road, kind of, and I understand it's all rumor mill and conjecture at this point, but the fact that we're as far down this road as we are without a, a large contingent of, you know, pundits and journalists and, and whatnot, just screaming from the mountaintops that you guys are crazy. This isn't even possible. That leads me to believe that there is some roadmap to, to where this is possible. The, the only question that I have is, so I think, you know, in a vacuum, I mean, not even in a vacuum, I think I would love to have Lewandowski, but I think the, the allocation of resources, you know, in terms of wages and in transfers where, you know, the, the, and I know, you know, they're working on bringing in Christensen and stuff like that, but the, the defense needs a little something. And at this point, the, Attack. I mean, I think you and I, the last time we spoke, we talked about how if everyone is healthy and available and, you know, whoever can stick around does, it's already a very crowded, it's a crowded ecosystem there. And I don't imagine you bring in Lewandowski as a, like a rotation striker. Like, I don't think he's cool with playing every other game or every third game. So, I mean, at at what point are... I mean, are we to believe that Lewandowski is going to take a gargantuan wage cut and be happy being, you know, one of this cavalcade of eight attackers? That's so those are my questions is what does this whole thing look like if it is pulled off? When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I think, well, for, firstly, when it comes to what that transfer uh, policy would be for the summer, I think you can, I think people are kind of throwing around Lewandowski and mm. Rafinha and, yeah. uh, and Kolobali actually, as well as yeah. and, and Kessier and saying, oh, it's, it's that fivesome, right? And are there any yeah. surprises as a Grimaldo? I would say start to pick your names, right? Like yeah. maybe two of five. <laughs> not, right. Not yeah, I think it's way more reasonable. Because um, and then Koulibaly is the one who I've said, you know, while he is good enough, not even good enough, but yeah, certainly he comes in as an instant center back and the health of PK really matters there. But Barca also are going to have to put a lot of money into PK. And I think when it comes to center back position, Barcelona should go cheaper and they should go a bit younger if they were to do that. But I don't even think that this next season is the one where they're going to have the funds to do that. I think they're just going right. to have to trust Christensen to be the free transfer, <laughs> the gap, the stopgap for that position for the yep. next season. And, and what Lewandowski does for you to answer your question, mm-hmm. uh, he's the instant starter. He's the instant oh, of course. forward. And I think you, you, yeah, I know it's 30, a three-year deal and he'll be turning 37 when the deal ends that August. Mm-hmm. So it'll expire in June during 37 mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that August. And looking at his numbers and the shape that he is in and the form that he is in and the amount of time he's on the field, mm-hmm. 50 goals in 46 games, 34 and 35 <laughs> right. games. I, I, sports is a business and it gets a little cutthroat at times, but if that deal is available for Barcelona and they can afford it and they don't put themselves in jeopardy in the future, you make the deal, even at the expense of Aubameyang and Memphis. And it's crazy to say that Lewandowski is more of a future move than Aubameyang, both guys over 30 and Aubameyang yeah. are younger, but you do make that deal because Lewandowski so raises your ceiling that yes. he, it's, and it's not even the commercial stuff. It's not, again, we always talk about the jersey. It's not about jersey sales or anything like that. It's not about tapping into the Polish yeah. market and the German speaking market. That's not what it's about. It's about when you win trophies. And yeah. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, I promise when it comes to this pod, when it comes to the YouTube channel, when it comes to even the Barca, mm. uh, the Barcelona podcast store, right? When mm. Barca is doing well, then people are just more excited. There is just, there is just yeah. money changing hands. And that is how it works. And yeah. Lewandowski, if he, were to sign immediately, even though Mbappe is going to Real Madrid, and that's pretty much confirmed as of okay. as of today, that even that front three of Vinny Jr., Benzema, and and Mbappe, uh, and Mbappe, you know, sorry, Rodrigo, even though you're in the best form of your life. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But anyway, luck, yeah. but anyway, yeah, I'd love to take Rodrigo off their hands, like truly, <laughs> before right? Yeah. But anyway, but while that that Vinny Jr., Benzema, Mbappe is a terrifying front three. Yes. Instantly, if Ansu stays healthy and you have a front three and who knows about Dembele, but even an Ansu Lewandowski plus and then fill in, <laughs> you know, yes. who, who is that other one? You know, certainly that's that'll be a question. Mm-hmm. If it was Dembele, my, my a Dembele, Ansu and Lewandowski front three is just as good. I promise it's just as good as Benzema and Vinny Jr. and Mbappe. Um, oh, I'm I'm absolutely inclined to agree. And I mean, I think the I guess my questions aren't even about the sort of the merits of bringing Lewandowski in. It's just more so. And I know there will be moves made. And like when I hear the Lewandowski stuff, I assume Aubameyang is gone. 
Well, he only has one year left, and apparently, yeah. but they did backload that salary deal. It's the same thing with Lewandowski. If they yeah. backload that deal where he makes his most in the 37 year, I believe yeah. that's just around the same time when mm-hmm. Pedri and Ansu's renewals are going to be at their highest marks as well. So, I mean, we know that Barca keeps doing this. I mean, all the big clubs do yeah. it. They, they we're going to kick the can down the road. We're definitely going to be a winning team. We're going to win the Champions League in 2025. And we're going to have a new stadium that that 15,000 more people are going to come to every yeah. game. We're going to be winning trophies. And there's going to be 95, 100,000 people in the Camp new every match. And yeah. Barca are banking on that. That's what they're banking. Yes. It's a risk in the future. But as you said, like it is a compliment to the fact that Barca went from Hey, uh, yeah, 55 million for Ferran Torres, but it was 55 million between the summer and the January transfer window for one player. And yep. not, we're not, we'll do him for the game. <laughs> we'll get to yeah. in a second. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was the one move they had, right? And now in the summertime, let's say they have another 20, uh, 55 to 60 to spend on two to three players plus those free transfers, you know, for them to wiggle their way out of that yeah. and look for the summer or next January when maybe they'll have. 80 million more to spend for one to two more players yep. you know, just to be able to afford anybody is something. And to get a guy like Lewandowski, even though, you know, all these other clubs are racing for the next big striker and Barca are like, well, we just need a striker. And we also have Ansu. So maybe he is our future striker anyway. When it's also, I mean, he is a striker, but he is, you know, even at 34, I mean, what is the lowest he ranks among strikers in club football in the world? You know I mean? He's, Two. Top, yeah, yeah, that's it's what him, I mean. I was gonna, I was gonna say top three at worst, yeah, him you and know, right now because you can yeah. say Erlen Holland, but Erlen Holland scored 21 goals in the Bundesliga, and yep. Robin Lewandowski scored 34. So, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's a whole Memphis to buy and be our American Bobby Yang. <laughs> no, uh, no, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think, like, the, the thing with him, it's like you said, he's he's durable, he's always on the pitch, his, his form seems to never waver, like, he's just right. he's he's this rock of not just like ultra competence, but like this rock that is also just throws off greatness regularly. And so, yeah. So even if you sign him for three years, I wouldn't even actually be nervous about that. I mean, if anything, if any kind of age related decline started to come in, I mean, I suppose I'd worry about it maybe in year three, but you know, I'd have no apprehension about signing him for the two years, because like you said, he does raise your ceiling and with the other talent that's on the roster now, I mean, you are now looking like, if not a threat to win the Champions League, you you now look like a, a player in the Champions League. There's no more of this getting bounced in the group stage or you know stuff like that. Like you should you know habitually just be in the in the you know the last eight at worst of the Champions League, barring any hor- you know horrific draws. And like he does that for you. He's that kind of player. You know he's transformative in a way that a lot of ultra talented players just simply aren't like, they're just very good as part of an ensemble. Yeah. And you're also banking on improvement with the guys that you do have mm-hmm. on a contract next year. Remember like the core is of Barcelona onto Pedri, Gabi, when he renews Araujo, mm-hmm. Nico, Eric Garcia, Ron, uh, I already said Ron Araujo, but that is your core. Yep. Am I missing somebody? Uh, I mean, and you said on Pedri. Yeah. I said on to Pedri, Ferran, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, Ferran Torres, he's 21. So it's like, that is your yeah. core. Like you have two forwards, Ansu and Ferran, you have Pedri, Nico, Gabi in the midfield, you mm. have Araujo, you have Eric Garcia, and you have question marks in other places. Sure. And in theory, you have a few more years of Ter Stegen. So, but you do have a core and you're adding him to that core and you're putting a lot of weight, not even pressure, like for the numbers that those guys are going to be signed for what they've already shown you, mm. if they're able to A, stay healthy, which is something that the best of them, Ansu and Pedri, have not been able to do and right. improve, which is something that Gabi at 17 is going to be expected to do, that Araujo is done and is going to continue to be expected to do. Right. And then Eric Garcia, the same. Baron Torres, the same. Like, if those guys can all improve as you add Robert Lewandowski to that mix, again, like, with that group, Barcelona can contend for the La Liga title with Real Madrid next season. Oh, like, yeah. Regardless of how scary their lineup is, even if they get mm-hmm. Chumani, and add him to Kemavinga and Fede Valverde. And again, they have Vinny Jr. and Rodrigo and Benzema. And of course, is their squad deeper? It will be because Barcelona mm-hmm. is still 21 through 25 next season are not going to be anything to celebrate. Like mm-hmm. uh, regardless, like you saw, and this is a good transition into the Barca Hadafe match that you mm-hmm. saw when Barcelona have to go to the end of their bench, just what that looks like. Players that are not trusted by Xavi. And mm-hmm. so Xavi is not going to be able to trust one through 25 next year. But it's one through 18. If they can stay healthy, that group can win the Liga. Uh, and if you've won yeah. the Liga, if you've beaten Real Madrid, who's in the Champions League final, if you won the Liga, then you can 
also qualify for the championship. I mean, then you also can condemn the championship. League. We've said that a billion times. But all right, I mean, one more thing before we do Barca Dafe. The leaked audio recording mm-hmm. at Valencia, like I don't know if Kules have followed this story. The leaked presidential uh, audio recording uh, from Valencia's president, especially about Carlos Sol- Soler, is uh, gonzo. It is inc- insane. <laughs> like It is wild. So, I mean, you want to say controversy, issues between president and boards and, and players, right? Like Messi, his interview that he did when he sat down, he said that Bartomeu, he didn't say Bartomeu is a clown. He never said him by name. Right, which is again yeah. a huge difference, a huge gap. But when right. he said there's no sporting project, the guy's a joke, like that yeah. was something that was like, Oh my god, like there's definitely like a, a, a this guy who usually doesn't say much, like yeah, came yeah. out and like threw this haymaker, yeah. Right, right, right. But still, that not say it 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 doesn't pale in comparison because Messi is that level, right? Like Messi right. Like, you know, Barcelona and something, it's just a, a step bigger mm-hmm. than Valencia. But for Valencia's president to say not only like if Carlos Soler forces his way out, like our, our most important, and I would say arguably the most beloved player at the moment, mm-hmm. but if our most beloved player, if our guy decides that he wants to leave, I'm going to spend a hundred thousand euros to smear this guy in the press. Like instead of even taking his transfer fee, I'm going to triple that number and then try my best to, to, to character assassinate our most beloved player. And that is just wild. And yeah. Okay, yeah so what does that mean for Barcelona fans? That if Frankie de Young, if all that stuff is not just that uh, we talked about it in the, the show last week, if that's more fire than smoke, right? It's on, then yeah, Solaire might be available for like 12 <laughs> million euros. And and just expect, and for Barca fans, like when you hear all that stuff about Carlos Solaire did has some awful financial dealings and tax evasion, and oh, uh, it's you've been done, you've done things at night that you don't want to, you don't want to. I can't even like, imagine, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if there's just someone like just out on this bloodthirsty vendetta, and just yeah. the, the pettiness is captured on like on tape. I mean, in a sense, I guess it's probably amazing, like, it's it's great that this was captured on tape. So, I mean, it works out great for. Carlos Soler too, in that even if he did ever spend some, you know, late nights out and, you know, carousing and whatever, anything that comes out after, you know, after all of this, we're all going to take with a grain of salt because we're like, no, this is just the rantings of a madman. So, I mean, it kind of works out well for him. And, you know, if he does want to leave Valencia, I mean, he's got to be gone. This all but seals that deal, right? Yeah. But what other players even are going to want to stick around to this? I mean, yeah, Valencia. Well, that's yeah. Way the last few seasons, like they're they're just a mess. I mean, that, that ownership needs to change, but it's really hard to take clubs off off billionaires. But all right, speaking yeah. of mess, I don't think Barca Dafe zero zero was a mess actually. Like it was like the other times that Barcelona failed to get results or lost. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about Cadiz again. Well, again, we're talking about Rabacano. We're talking about mm-hmm. Eintracht Frankfurt. But it never felt like Barcelona were going to lose that match. But it also never felt like they were going to win. Four total shots on targets between two teams is the mark of a match. It really did feel like one of those group stage World Cup matches where you're all excited for it, but then you realize that, oh, it's two teams who just need a point and are not really showing yeah. up for this in the, uh, you know, what it was, the South African heat with the Brazilian yep. heat, right? And they're, and they're like, hey, we just need a point. Everybody play nice. Nobody get yellow. Nobody gets reds. Let's figure this out. And for Barcelona, let's get that sweet, sweet Spanish Super Cup money. Yum, yum, yum. Um, we'll head to Saudi Arabia. And for Adafe, you saw what it meant to them. They stayed up, you know? So like, well, I think that's like yeah, I think that's really it. It's like, well, Hatafe were sort of, they weren't in the drop zone, but they needed to, yeah, like they needed anything to just, I don't think they were going to go down anyway, because there's enough kind no, of. It was the math. It's about the yeah, math. It, exactly. The math. Yeah. But I think they were just like, I think everyone was, yeah, we, we each need a point. Yeah. Like Barca are coming down from, you know, so we just clinched top four. So that's good. So we have, we have champions league, you know, that's the, that's the bird in the, that's the bird in the hand now. And so cool. We can, we just need a point to, to secure a second. And Hitafe is like, cool. We'll take the point too. It really did feel like just nobody get hurt. Like it's almost time to go on vacation. Like no one wants to go on vacation with a knee brace. Like, right. you know, no one try to be a hero. Like, let's just <laughs> like, it's 90 minutes guys. Like let's just stay the course and we'll all get home happy. And yeah, there's also that cognitive dissonance between, you know, second place is something really, truly to celebrate. Like, oh, absolutely. And I keep saying, like, I know that the expectation. We did not see this coming in November. 
No, the standards and expectations for Barcelona are always to win trophies. Like that's always what it is. So people are going to say, unless you win trophies, it's a total and utter failure. But mm. for Barca to be in ninth place, the way that they were at some point, yes, in October, November, when there was truly a question. Like I remember I, I went out to Colorado when I did the the only, at this point, live show, by the mm. way, next next week's show is also quote unquote live. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. It'll be a fun thing. But when I did that live show out in Colorado with mm. patron Mike, like we were concerned i mean really there was true concern that this team may not qualify for the champions league next season mm -hmm. and if that is the case then that puts barcelona on their darkest path right that's like the the marvel comic i kind of thought they weren't going to right i mean it looked like at times because there was no cavalry coming and the cavalry right. wound up being pedri like who would have thought that <laughs> and we'll do this after we do a referendum on the whole season but who would have thought that pedri would return and Barcelona's fortunes would change the way it did. Like that one player, a 19-year-old player, could change the fortunes of a club like that. It's pretty absurd. But yeah, I mean, I know it's, it feels like I'm going to celebrate in one match because, again, we had that, that boring snooze fest of Hadafe. But again, the thing we're celebrating is the culmination of reaching yeah. second place. And like, mm -hmm. even there's this question that, oh, Xavi isn't a good enough manager to whatever, but Xavi did navigate, uh, navigate through it. Like, you can't, if you're going to say that Hidafe Barcelona is who Barca is, or if Cadiz or Rayo, that's who Barca is, well, then in the same regard, like Barca Real Madrid for nothing, it doesn't exactly say everything that Barca is, right? That was just kind of a flash in the pan moment. They got Real Madrid literally at their lowest point of this season, and this is a stupid team that's still going to win the Champions League against Liverpool. But yep. Xavi still navigated his way through that. He still got his lineup right. He still went out, and he still took well, down the number one team in the Liga. He did the same to Atletico Madrid. Well, I was going to say, when they needed it, in those, earlier, in those earlier days of Xavi's tenure, I mean, that Atletico match was looming so large because it was essentially, if Barca are going to... This was back when we were like, if Barca is going to make a serious push at top four, they need something out of this game. And they came out, and they... I mean, they thumped... Atletico, you know, at a time when they needed to. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think this was just a business-like result. I mean, look, it, was, it wasn't a blast to watch, but whatever. I mean, I didn't, I don't even know if I went into it sort of expecting some sort of like glorious Jogo Bonito sort of thing. Like, I was just, I mean, this was fine. If anything, I was just, I was kind of bored watching it, but you know, whatever. They took care of business. Well, yes and no, because like, I, I, I try to warn people too, like when those early Copa del Rey matches happen against Linares <laughs> and the third division teams, Castellon, mm -hmm. like, what are you getting? You're getting guys that have played the same number of minutes as you and mm -hmm. I in the last three weeks or four weeks. And they have the same number of important match minutes that <laughs> you and I have. Oh, like yeah. Oscar Mangaitha being in uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, which we saw that worked out. But, you know, he was fine <laughs> yesterday. But again, it's like, yeah. is Ricky Pooj going to be around next season? I mean, there's a 99% chance that he isn't. Like, there is a 1% yeah. chance he sticks around. But likely that he's going to want to get first-team football somewhere else. And that's totally sure. fair. Like, he didn't play this season. And then Clement Langley. Didn't really play at all. Why would mm -hmm. that guy not want to play uh, first team football somewhere? Mm -hmm. But then again, same thing with Mangaitha. Mangaitha the next season, especially with Christensen coming in, where's Mangaitha possibly going to play? Like, unless the club sells deaths and is unable to find another right back, then Mangaitha will stick around. And that's also based on Sergio Roberto's health. But I mean, yeah, Mangaitha's way down the depth chart. I was uh, just and, say, he just falls down the pecking order. Yeah. So, I mean, what do we expect from players that are A, on their way out? Like, it's almost. Mm -hmm. Not and not a final goodbye to the Hadafe fans, but almost a final goodbye to the club. And then you have an 18-year-old like Balde that I, I think it's fair that we had discourse over him because mm -hmm. he was one of the ones, I mean, he's really from that match, one of the only guys that I'm truly watching for, right? Like, what yeah. do I need to learn about Clement Langley, a player that's probably gone? Like, what do I need mm -hmm. to learn about players that are down far down the depth chart and then even Memphis getting hurt? So other than how the game totally shifted when Ansu came in, because it did, like yeah. that guy immediately got on the ball and we're like, oh, okay, like this is a different level. And you felt yeah. that change. You felt like when the starter came on, when the, when one of the guys came on, like, yeah. and it all shifted. But for Balde, you know, I felt like, not to say it's a bit unfair for him, but people are going to read into him based on this one in the same way that mm. I think they did in December uh, when he made a few appearances there. But, you know, just being 18 in that match, like this yeah. was... I don't know. Do you, I, I want to hear your Balde thoughts first and I'll fill in the gaps then. So, I mean, I think speaking more broadly, kind of at the, as far as, like you were saying, what people will read into and what there is to take away from, from the showing. I mean, you know, we spoke about him early in the season and this was again, when the, when the cupboard felt much more bare, just kind of top to bottom of the roster. And we spoke about him as a player who might be pressed into more service. And it was a question of, is he ready for it? Like, what is he ready for? What, you know, what can he do? It wasn't, 
ultimately it wasn't needed. Like, you, you know, sort of the all hand situation didn't, didn't get to such a point where, you know, he had to do this whole, like the whole baptism by fire thing. You know, I mean, it's, it's gotta be tough. You know, we talk about the veterans, you know, whether it's uh Langley or, you know, Mingesa. And I know when I say veteran, but just, you know, he's been around the block once or twice at least. And just the ability to just ready yourself to go into a match playing first team minutes at, you know, at the top level when you haven't been asked to do that at all. And there hasn't even really been a threat of you being asked to, to do it very much at all. And on top of that, you just, you know, that this is a game where, okay, we, we need a result, but it's also, it's not going to be sort of super hot, like, you know, action packed game. And so you basically have to get yourself fired up to play first team minutes, but in a situation that's probably not going to be hyper intense. So, I mean, the, the one thing that was impressive, I'll say kind of for, for most of the team was because I do think there's a certain balancing act with emotions there where you, when you have guys who haven't played a lot, they're going to want to come in and, you know, show themselves and make, you know, make plays. And, you know, some guys will play with kind of like their hair is on fire. <laughs> and, you know, th- those are times when you see in random matches, you, you see odd like red cards and just, you know, sort of messy you know, sort of sloppy play because people are trying to show out and really, you know, kind of stick in the manager's mind. I mean, honestly, it's in a strange way, the, the lack of lack of incident in the game was a little bit of a, a credit to the, the, to the players who haven't seen the pitch a lot lately that no one sort of lost their mind trying to, you know, have a star turn in that moment. Yeah. I mean, we said we were, we're ringing the alarm bells because yeah, that back four mm-hmm. of, I mean, Keitha, Clement, Langley, as well as Alves and Balde, right? Yeah. You wouldn't expect that, that that back four. If other back fours gave up goals in the league yeah. of the season, that back four probably should have given up two or three goals. Right. They, 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 you're right. They sauntered their way to a clean sheet. And actually, Balde, that was where I was not impressed, but he was good on the defensive, believe it or not. I mean, that is where he's considered weaker, but he had an interception, a block shot, six ball recoveries, one forward, seven duel, which is a similar number as, as Alba. 100 touches, only misplayed five passes, but he didn't really get forward at all. It's the same mm. thing with Dest when he was just starting out over Xavi mm. before he got hurt and had that time off and came back looking a little bit better. Mm. You know, I, I think Balde is still so raw, so green when it comes to yeah. first team positional play. And you could tell, like, the speed of the match was too much for him. Mm. I mean, and it's a reminder, too, that A, there's a lack of chemistry, like he's never worked with mm. in an official match before. And you know, even with Barca B, like he hasn't looked great this season, mm-hmm. but he also hasn't been healthy for two years. Like he's basically yeah. a 16 and a half year old when it comes to for like his developmentally, game. yeah, developmentally. And he always played a, a year up or a year or two years mm-hmm. up. He was always advanced, just like Ansu, just like some of the other guys that are, you know, those prodigies. Mm-hmm. And so a lot was put on him. You know, I first covered him when he was 14, 15 with the Cadet A because mm-hmm. he was playing with the U16s at 14. So that was the first time he was like on our radar. And mm-hmm. yeah, what was that four years ago? Like 2016. Yeah. And I remember profiling him because again, he was just, Hey, I mean, he's the best left back prospect that Barca have had since what they said was Juan Miranda. And so what I get out of that match is that mm-hmm. next season, he won't be ready and he'd still be 19 years old. That'll be his 19 mm-hmm. year season next year. And Barcelona just have to hold on to that asset. Like you cannot yeah. cut bait with him too quickly because he is still raw, still young. I've seen his technical ability better than it was against Adafe. I've mm-hmm. seen his timing better than it was against Adafe. He just has not mm-hmm. been match fit and doesn't have the confidence of, uh, of just a number of matches in a row to, again, catch up to that speed. And it was just too but, fast for him. And that's totally fine. And I think he will get there, but it might take a loan in even two years, right? Like you may not get Alejandro Baldi until he's 21. And by that yeah. time, Marcel will have already filled in. You know, if they're looking hard at Grimaldo now, you know, Baldi... To, it's hard to think out that he's one for the future future when Alba's so close to his end. And the same thing with Miko Marmol, where he's mm-hmm. 21, so he's a bit different. So it wouldn't surprise me to have Marmol be guy number 24 or 25 if mm-hmm. McKinney is gone because he can play center back. He's a left back in case of emergency, you know, glass option, uh, break glass option rather. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could use Marmol for the purposes of building out your squad mm-hmm. next season. Who knows what his ceiling is? Maybe he gets his chance and really explodes, sure. But for Balde... Yeah, I'm not too worried about what I saw. I'm not going to read too much into it, but Mm-mm. he's fast, he's quick, and he has some finishing product to work on. But it's the same thing to me as Eli Shakomash, for who scored two goals for Juvenal as they won their championship in the U19s. Like, Akomash is a U19 player. 
Like full yeah. stop. That's it. That's what he is. Yeah. He's a 19 player at the moment that has featured for the first team because he has mm-hmm. great potential. So you don't know what those guys will be. And Baldi and Elash, I think, are more so than any others in the academy right now, are the two highest profile. What will they be, guys, for me at the moment? Totally so, agree. Yeah. So now the, the one thought that I had was so you mentioned his not getting forward so much against the Taufe. And I think like there, there's two things that you mentioned. One, there's the lack of just sort of match fitness. You know, he's just been hurt so much over the last couple of years that even just sea legs and match fitness at any level have been a little bit elusive for him. But then there's also this, you know, I mean, it's a it's a jumping level. I know he's played at this level before, but not regularly and not with this particular collection of players. And then on top of that, too, when you when you put all of that together, I mean, these are probably in, in the mind of the player are probably seen as, you know, opportunities to impress. And that was kind of what I was thinking about was he probably and you also mentioned it's kind of his the the defending is not, the you know, a huge point of renown. But I think he, as much as anything, probably didn't want to make a defensive error. It's almost at the at the expense of getting forward and attacking yeah. don't don't be the reason why we give up an embarrassing goal because i was out of position or you know unable to get back and I, you know i just feel like it was you know it was a cautious it was a sort of a cautious young player trying to trying to play a responsible cautious game and you know not be the reason for anything going wrong yeah. And while Balde is the example and Marmol the same, I mean, Marmol only played two minutes, so not really going to speak anything other than that Xavi has rewarded him for playing well at Barca B all season mm-hmm. long. That was what that, it was very ceremonious getting his debut because he earned it. Now, the only one, as I said, like for everybody else, I kind of say, well, they're probably a squad player next season. And even Memphis and Obama Yang, you know, again, they not say that they've taken their summer early, <laughs> but they are Barca's leading goal scorers. They know what they were this season and whether they're around next season, they probably will be both of them in some kind of rotation role. You know, I, I'm not going to go crazy about them, but Ferran Torres does concern me. You know, I, I think he starts on the right wing, plays a little bit on the left wing, goes back to the right wing. Uh, and the hounds of war are howling, Emil. I've been howling for a few weeks now. And I want to you know, really draw the line here because six goals, six assists, and his performances since January have been just fine. For what mm-hmm. he was, I know 55 million. That is what people keep attacking. If he was a free transfer, if he was 25, people would not be going crazy. People still try to go crazy about a free transfer of Eric Garcia, who's still developing and I think has been good this year. So that one I won't even fight. But because Ferran Torres had two disappointing games, you know, we do have to reckon with this reality that, as you mentioned, like about Lewandowski, if it is Ansu and Lewandowski plus Dembele plus Rafinha, whatever, and Memphis and Aubameyang are still around, can Ferran Torres find himself in a spot where he is surplus and he was a 55 million euro surplus? Like, can he be a failed transfer within a year by next yeah, fall? Yeah, like four. Right. And I mean, like, we're only four months into this thing. Ex- well, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. How- can he become a Gareth Bale or uh, Eden Hazard or a distress asset? Like how quickly does that happen for a 21 year old who Xavi has seemingly trusted game in and game out? Like I think on the depth chart, Xavi will still put him because of his movement above Memphis, above Aubameyang. And Mm -hmm. he's one of those examples where if you ask him to be the guy because of his understanding of space and I mean, his ability just to play off of other players, like he's a continuation player more so than he is uh, or player in rhythm, we'll say more than he initiator and a dribbler and things like that. So I think because Memphis and Barron both like to cut inside and Aubameyang, I mean, yeah, he'd go outside, but generally he was trying to drop in. That was the game plan to hold up play a bit from the midfield, like so that there was just too much congestion. It didn't really work or they would be spread out and Farron mm-hmm. and Memphis, neither of them can spread, uh, can use the width of the field. And things got a bit too tight because Adafi was also playing tight. So if anything, Barcelona played right into their hands. And so Farron and Memphis looked even worse in that regard. But yeah, I don't know. He looks a bit tired to me. And I feel like you and I are just going to be measured about it and say, like, let's just wait and see for next season what happens when, again, he's playing off of Lewandowski and playing mm-hmm. off of Bonsu. I think you're going to see a much better Ferran Torres. Like, no, there's no disrespect to Aubameyang and to Memphis to buy. But yeah, I just don't think we've seen Ferran Torres' best. And they're, I don't think this is the player he is the last two matches. Like, and those who think that he is, then that's their opinion. I know that's the hate we're going to get as well. Like, people think that that's who he is the last two matches. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. The The last two matches are not the player that he is. And I feel like for several weeks, we've kind of talked about the thing that he does well. And, you know, it's the, it's the one mark of a very good, but 
you know, sometimes frustrating attacker is that, you know, he struggles to put the ball in the net sometimes and, you know, or his, his mistakes are glaring, but the things that he does well uh, sometimes almost invite the, the mistakes. And by that, I mean, he's, and this is something we've talked about, I think multiple times before, he's so good at getting into positions. He sniffs out the ball, he sniffs out chances, and he is so frequently in the right place. And he's, I don't know whether it's, you know, whatever it is, whether it's nerves or technique or bad luck or whatever it is, he's, there's just kind of a, a laundry list of seemingly, you know, convertible or easy chances that he's missed. I mean, I remember the the first time that, you know, you said the hounds of war are out. I mean, the first time that I heard really kind of, you know, locals here nonplussed about his, his being around and frequently just saying, you know, 55 millones. And like, just, that was the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, was the first, was it the first? Yeah. The first leg against Napoli in the Europa league. Cause I remember now he scored a penalty in that game, but he had, I mean, if, if memory serves at least three spectacular. Yeah, he put the tie away in that match. That was right. Yeah, yeah. Like this and was so, not for him. Is this another Dembele miss against Liverpool? Yeah, exactly. And so look, I think, yeah, there's a version of him that puts those chances away and we're, we're delighting. I mean, he hasn't. So the, the frustration is running high. There's all these other attackers around. We're talking about bringing in more attacking players, which kind of, you know, in the, in the minds of fans, at least, I think further marginalizes him because he's neither the shiny new toy anymore, nor is he someone who's come in and, you know, won the hearts and minds of the fans. Right. So he, he finds himself in this weird place. I mean, I, I think he very much probably needs the summer too. It, it looks like he's, like you said, I think he's tired. Look, it's, it's entirely possible that his confidence is shaken a little bit too. And just a little bit of quiet and distance and just a chance to sort of train on his own and, you know, just unwind and kind of unplug for a little bit and even, and also train with the team during the preseason will probably do him a world of good. And yeah, I think another thing, thing is, he's just 22 and he has had the weight. Well, there's the that. Yeah. He's had the weight well, of Man City jersey on him with the instruction of Pep Guardiola. He's had the weight of the Barca shirt on him with the instruction of Xavi. So there's this one other point too. It, so it's all of that, but then compound that with, so yes, there's the, the transfer fee, right? The 55 million, but it's, I feel like it's not only that. I feel like it's almost you know, whatever we can put, whatever multiplier we want it, but we can even say like the, the weight of that is almost like double or triple because he was the big money transfer. This isn't a, this isn't a Barca that can splash 30 to 50 or 60 million on two or three different players. Like they were doing five, six years ago right. where you're part of this, you know, ensemble cast that's being brought in. He was it's like we saved all our money. It's, you know, Barcelona was like a kid who saved all their allowance. And like, this is your one big purchase that you get to make. And, you know, and the, the pressure that comes with that, especially for a fan base that's used to, I mean, that just lost Lionel Messi. And that's used to, you know, a decade and a half of Messi with, you know, Iniesta and Javi. And, you know, like this, just the who's who of just inner circle pantheon legends of the game. Yeah. And so you're the guy who gets the big price tag and you come in and everyone's like, all right, cool. Let's see what you can do. Like you're, you yeah. know, the, you bring, bring us back. Well, he's given me some real, like even mm -hmm. racket vibes. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I'm not saying he's even going to, oh, let me put this about there, but racket is like I said mm -hmm. before, like, I think most players in Barca history, like I've argued that easily Rakitic is a top 75 player all time, just based on the amount of appearances he made and the number of trophies he won and the importance he had in some of those trophy winning seasons. Uh, he's already put himself, uh, that being Rakitic, not already, but he, you know, a top 75, maybe arguably a top 50 player in Barcelona history. You know, that's even Rakitic. I, I yeah. wouldn't, I, I love Rakitic. And yeah, I, well, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't already, kind of not they've forgotten about his legacy, but I'm never going to name him in the same names that we just named from the era. And Ferran Torres, if he's lucky, is going to have the same treatment. Like, I don't think he's ever yeah. going to be able to score enough to, as you said, win everybody over. It's never going to happen. But if he can be a 
not even a key cog, but if he can be the fourth, the third or fourth forward in what is a devastating forward line that wins right. trophies, like if he can be a part of the puzzle, like we can remember him, you know, again, like heck with those people that still hate on racketeers. Like he was important. Like, no, of course not. I, I would, I take Iniesta a hundred times out of a hundred times over, over Rakitic. I would take Xavi a million times over a million times over Rakitic. Sure. But it's like, wild to me that people, yeah, it's like, because I've, I've had that conversation where, you know, I'll talk about, you know, Rakitic is great. He was, you know, I think he was underappreciated and everything else. And, you know, and the, the thing is, no, I'm not comparing him to Xavi, Iniesta or yeah. Busquets. Like that's not the conversation I'm having. I'm saying that this guy was like, a you know, a really good, I mean, just, he, he fit, fit the bill of fantastic servant to the club, you know? Yeah. And if that's what Ferran Torres is, like, you know, would it be great if he had two on two flotties? Of course. Like, it'd be awesome if sure. he had, right? <laughs> one right-footed, one left-footed, and just put him on both sides. It'd be yeah, awesome. that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and maybe one of them will stay healthy. That would be great. Yeah, maybe you put Lewandowski in the middle. And, yeah, <laughs> and you're, you're yeah. but, but, but unfortunately, like, you don't have that. You have a, a full squad that you're going to have to hope that Ferran Torres, yeah, does come along. So, yeah, I mean, I, again, I know that people, I mean, I saw the YouTube comments, like in reaction to the match review, most of it is just hating on, well, most of it's just saying that Xavi's not good enough of a manager, but those they usually throw out. And then the Ferran Torres stuff, that was right. <sighs> hate on Ferran Torres. So yeah, we'll have to see what happens over the summertime, even against Villarreal, win or lose, like not say it doesn't matter to me too much, but you know, it's already kind of done and dusted. And what, what can we learn is going to be not too much. But unfortunately, we are still going to have to find some things to talk about on the second show this week. I have a new guest coming on, just to let everybody know. So it's going to be a bit more of what the season was to that person. And mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be a fun little conversation there. But until then, make sure you follow Emil on social media. You can find him on Twitter down in the show notes. Just click his name, give him a follow. We're on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram too, as well, at the Barcelona Pod, Hilton D13 for me. Plus, plus Closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast, Patreon, the Barcelona Podcast, YouTube, the Barcelona Podcast. You get the idea here. And then the Barcelona Podcast on Teespring is where our our store and where our merch can be found. So most importantly, though, thanks so much for listening to the show. As always, and being with us all season long, we will be having shows aplenty throughout the summer as well, so don't go too far. But until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barca. First of Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.